This is Recognize, a podcast about the NHL's black and biracial hockey heroes, proudly supported by eBay Canada. Ever since I was a kid, I collected hockey cards with spare change my dad gave me. As a black person, to see others like me on the ice inspired me. They were my role models and showed me hockey is a game for everyone. I've collected 100 rookie cards for NHL's black and biracial players, and I'm going to talk to all of them so you can learn their stories. Kendall McCardo was born in Toronto, Ontario in 1987. After starting out in the Western Hockey League, he played for the Florida Panthers and the Winnipeg Jets. Kendall is actually not a card collector and hasn't really kept much memorabilia from his playing days. However, that's quite in contrast to the fact that he's won a gold medal for Team Canada Junior, and also a Memorial Cup with Vancouver Giants of the Western Hockey League. His pro career lasted from 2006 to 2013. He also had a love for finance, and he now leads and runs a venture capital fund, which helps teams work together and tackle problems. So let's meet the man from the card. Hi, Kendall. Thanks for being on the My Hockey Hero podcast. Uh, appreciate you having me here. So to start out with, uh, Kendall, I've got this um, card here. When you see this card of you, what comes to mind? And tell me the year that your rookie card was was uh, issued. Yeah. What comes to mind, first and foremost, is, is obviously uh, some good experiences that I had in the Florida organization. Uh, you know, the ability to reach the NHL um, obviously was a dream of mine. And, and so having your own rookie card is, is kind of a culmination of years and years of hard work and, and dedication and, and, and obviously also good fortune as well. Uh, the year would have been, I was drafted in 05, not exactly sure when, when the rookie card came out, but my first game was uh, 2009, I believe. So it would have been 09. Yeah, it's a nice looking jersey. So thanks for sharing that. I am going to be talking with you first about the early part of your career and working our way back up. But I also want to ask you, um, did you ever collect cards as a young person? And did you continue on throughout your life? Yeah, that's a good question. So a little bit atypical. Um, I did not collect hockey cards too much. I've, I've never been a collector of a lot of things. And even to this day, my wife is trying to make sure I keep memorable. <laughs> memorabilia and that sort of stuff around. I don't really put a lot of things on the walls or it's just not something I've ever kind of done, kind of more uh, future orientated, I guess. Um, but I'm sure one day I may regret that. But hockey in general, I, I just always loved playing. I, I really enjoyed the game. I really enjoyed the competition. I really enjoyed the friends along the way when I was a kid. And I'm from Vancouver and, and uh, had an affinity for the Canucks, but also, which is a rival at the time, Colorado Avalanche, because uh, Joe Sackick and uh, I played at Burn and be minor at the same time when he brought the cup home. And so I remember that and, and had an affinity for the Avalanche too, but um, really was never super into statistics or hockey cards either. Well, it's an interesting perspective, right? Just Just playing the game and forward thinking. Um, throughout your yeah. life. So that, thanks for sharing that with us. So your pro career went from around 2006, 2007 to 2013. You had stops in Florida and Winnipeg 
and and Europe when you crap wrapped up your career. We're going to focus on on that part of your uh, career later. But first, let's take a step back and learn more about your first experience with hockey. It, it seems though that you were born in Toronto, Ontario, and then you recently just talked about going out to BC. So maybe just uh, share with us your early beginnings and uh, where did you grow up and uh, what it was like growing up in your household. Yeah, the hockey card says uh, Toronto as the place where I was born, which is true, but I moved up to Vancouver when I was four years old and uh, first laced them up at Britannia Community, which is in East Vancouver, if anyone kind of knows uh, East Vancouver or Britannia. It's a it, um, uh, pretty well-trotten uh, rink, um, but uh, there's not a ton of people that kind of come out of that uh, organization, I would say, or out of East Vancouver and sort of reach the pinnacle. Um, and and so I feel very, very fortunate that I was able to and, and uh, moved out to Burnaby when I was eight years old and then was pretty fortunate um, to play at Burnaby Minor with a, a couple awesome coaches there and then moved over to the Burnaby Winter Club, which is obviously – um, well, not obviously, but people from here would know that a lot more is that there's a, a long line of players that have played there that, that have uh, been able to obviously reach the NHL as well. So kind of progressed here locally. I'm still in Vancouver, live in, uh, live in North Vancouver now. Could you elaborate more on the first skating at four? Um, yeah. What, walk us through what that was like and were, were you a natural right from the beginning or was it a struggle or... Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, my story is my first intro to hockey, um, or even just skating. I was, so moved to Vancouver when I was four, but I probably didn't get on the ice till I was six years old. So that's kind of a little bit later than the first time, um, I laced them up. I do remember going to a public skate at Britannia and remember this as if it was yesterday kind of thing for sure. Um, and I wouldn't leave until I could cross the blue line. So like I was out there for hours and I, I just, I could see everyone else being able to do it on their own. And I needed to be able to go across the blue line without holding on to anything. So I say my first time on the ice, I was able to cross from one end to the other. And um, probably a little bit of correlation with sort of how my career and um, and playing hockey progress, which is that always considered by myself a hard worker, determined. Um, I was very determined the first time as well. So did that determination also spread to other sports? Was hockey your only sport or did you explore other um, activities and sports? Yeah. I played anything that I could, uh, to be honest. Uh, was a very active kid, and so I just needed to get that energy out. I, I kind of gravitated towards contact sports, so uh, I played lacrosse, played uh, played community football as well. Um, actually, had to choose between hockey and football, and it wasn't an easy choice at the time. Actually, so I went to uh, a Catholic private school just to play. Um, football after a couple of years. And, and when I was drafted by the Montreal Warriors, I kind of had to choose one way or the other. Uh, I loved both of those. I loved playing football at the time, probably just as much as hockey. 
but glad with the choice too. And, uh, and part of that decision was actually just being in Canada and, and having more of a connection as a Canadian. Thanks for sharing that. Now, did both, did all these sports activities, did it, did it uh, develop your skills even as a hockey player? Like just the fact that you were a multi-sport athlete? That's a good question. And I know it's kind of topic du jour in, in like hockey training today, probably, and, or any kind of athletic training because kids are having to become so specialized at such an early age. I don't necessarily believe in that specialization. I, I think it does create very good players, whether that be hockey or any other athletic, but I think it comes with, with significant consequences, injury and mental health, not being wanting to do something over and, and kids um, falling out of love with what should be an enjoyable activity because they end up having to specialize way too early. Uh, for me, uh, I definitely think it's important to be a multi-sport athlete, to be athletic first and foremost. I think hockey is a very unique athletic activity and the fact that it's not just it obviously tends it takes a tremendous amount of athletic ability in terms of hand-eye coordination um etc strength and power finesse but it also there's a whole iq around playing as well right and and so i think that's why it takes so long for people you have to be able to learn how to skate first and foremost and you have to be learn how to do it with a stick and then you have to learn how to think the game as well. So it takes a very long time uh, in comparison to other sports where you could, you know, you could start playing football in grade nine and and, and probably have a chance of, of still making the NFL. That's not something you can do in hockey. So there's a little bit of specialization required there, but I do think it's important to, to be a well-rounded human. And the sports you mentioned, I, I never played lacrosse, but I played a little bit of football after hockey. As you mentioned, I played football in high school, but I, I do know I wasn't intimidated by the contact after having played hockey. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you doing these concurrently and it's also doing lacrosse, which is also gives a lot of yeah. hand eye. Um, that's why I was asking you, I imagine you probably benefit from doing all three at the same time or rotating. I think so. And I think it's just an enjoyable of like playing a game and, and being competitive. And so it didn't really matter what I was doing, uh, you know, as long as I enjoyed the game and for football, I've always enjoyed, I was a running back in football and I enjoyed trying to move quickly and move fast and get, a, get away from people and scoring touchdowns was, uh, was just as enjoyable for me as it was uh, scoring as well in hockey. So um, regardless of whether or not it's just um, athletic, whether or not that helped me in hockey one way or the other, I'm not 100% sure, but I think to be a well-rounded human and, and also to enjoy, um, you shouldn't have any restraints. Yeah, and also the many different uh... – Coaches that you have in different sports yeah. and relationships across sports. Uh, friends, all that. Yeah, exactly. So was East Vancouver, uh, you were born in 19, 
1986 and 1987, sorry. Um, was it, was it becoming a diverse place at that time as you grew up through, uh, elementary school and high school? Uh, Vancouver's always been a very multicultural city, right? And, and East Vancouver was as well. There, there wasn't a huge black community though, like in comparison to Toronto, like that is definitely something as a percentage. It's just, it isn't as large out here. But there's obviously a, um, a large Indo-Canadian community, a large Asian community. Um, and so I've always grown up in a very multicultural environment, whether that be in playing different sports or going to school, right? It's always okay. been a multicultural environment where there wasn't a lot of homogenous, I would say. Yeah. Um, and and I think that is great. I, I think that's what makes Vancouver, a pretty special place. So, Kendall, then, did that lead to a perhaps greater sense of belonging for, in, and focusing particularly on the, the hockey experience, that often there's not a lot of um, racialized individuals in, in lots of markets growing up. So do you find that led to more of a sense of belonging for you, um, seeing the diversity when you were growing up? On the purely racial front, I would say so. I would say that my early hockey experience of, of growing up as a black kid playing hockey in Vancouver, there was definitely times where I, I, I had incidences, I would say, or had incidents. Um, and they were few and far between, though. Um, I... Uh, may not have handled them all, all the greatest. I kind of took maybe a little bit more of an aggressive approach in how I handled those at the time, even as a kid. Um, they tended, but the, the, the one thing is they tended not to happen again um, when I did. So I, had, I, I definitely had a chip, I would say, on my shoulder, which is um, since hopefully uh, isn't as deep, but um, that chip, I think helped me as well a little bit and, and sort of maybe there's times where I ignored it or, or I didn't really, um, wasn't aware, um, of things that were happening around me as much. And, but the reason why I started that conversation with just talking about on the racial front is like, there's a, there's a bunch of other different diversities out there in the world. Right. And, and so, um, I'd say a bigger divide for me was probably like just, economic right like hockey is a very privileged activity um it's more so now but it even was when i was a kid and so come from a single parent family and and learned very quickly that that was probably the thing that i wasn't um the same right it's like the higher you are within the sport of hockey the more you realize how privileged it is to be there and um, you know, a lot of people were putting out a lot of capital every year to play and to travel. And, and we were quite literally scrounging everything we could um, to play. And I know that that's typical of, of sort of, or more typical, I would say, of different cultural backgrounds in this country. Um, so whichever cultural background you come from. But uh, I would say that that is definitely something that I experienced and, and was more aware of. So there, there are lots of barriers, as you described. And um, was there anything that, that um, made it easier for you to get through in terms of the uh, financial barriers? Was there any 
thing you recall that that uh, that helped out, or your family just had to sort of persevere and find a way in terms of uh, some of the costs? And yeah, no, um, all of the uh, above would be the answer to that. Like there was uh, people, individuals, organizations that helped me out along the way that I'm ever grateful and that. I had that support, right? And and that support came from my own family, from my mom, from aunts and uncles, um, but also from coaches and other parents of hosting me uh, to go on a travel trip and, you know, taking me in a hotel room and um, making sure that, you know, if my mom wasn't able to come at the same time or, uh, you know, the initiation fees of playing at the Burnaby Winter Club, like, pretty sure my mom didn't have to pay those, you know, like those kinds of things. Right. So, um, you know, my, my dedication and love to the game hopefully brought those things, but I'm super, super fortunate that I had help along the way because quite frankly, I wouldn't be here uh, without the help. I think that's true of anybody, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of people that, um, that help you. So those are really good uh, descriptions of, um, you know, if there was a younger like yourself today with those circumstances i'm sure you would you would wish that uh those possibilities could be there for them and hopefully organizations are finding ways because uh within a community there's lots of people things people can do with the community to help each other and it sounds like you had lots of support that way which is was just great to hear i did yeah and i think the i think community is the, the right word right and and you know hockey isn't perfect i i, I think any any sport now of haze and any contact sport and any sport like hockey, which kind of has that economic divide, you know, there's, there's a lot of negativity that come around it, but um, there's also a lot of positives and, and sort of that community and the family that you can, um, you can find yourself with within the locker room or within an organization um, can be, quite unique right and and uh um i think i think those are the positive experiences that hockey in this country can bring thanks for sharing that so um can you tell the listeners what type of a player you were you played um left wing and maybe just um touch on through the younger years um i imagine you played triple a hockey eventually in those younger years and then uh how did you sort of uh, make your way through? So I think, you know, talking about multi sports that you played, things like that, I was definitely kind of that raw athleticness. So that's what took me first and foremost and um, kind of learned the game after. Um, and, and so when I was younger, I think just, just the fact that, you know, you take the things like determination, grit, and, and sort of raw athletic ability kind of translated well into hockey. And and so that's, I kind of would have rolled that wave for a while, uh, I would say, when I was younger. Uh, did play AAA, so I, you know, went from East Vancouver. I remember my first tryouts in Burnaby Minor. Like, I don't know anyone. My mom doesn't know anything about hockey and was able to make the triple a team at that time right and so 
I've always played, or I always played AAA when I was younger. Um, that was pretty fortunate, but, but, but very quickly had to start to learn nuts through good coaches. Right. And so, um, again, extremely fortunate that I was able to be surrounded by good coaches at Kearney Minor and Burnaby Winter Club too. Any shout outs you want to give to anyone you recall that was very influential? Yeah, I, 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 um, I hesitate just because you want, you want uh, to leave I out. forget. Yeah. I forget leaving, or, or I would hate to leave uh, um, yeah. to leave anyone out. And, and sure. uh, uh, in random interviews, I have been up before. If you because like the list, quite frankly, is quite long, um, and and it's not like until Heinz, like now looking back at how fortunate that I was in terms of the coaches that I had. Um, pretty much every single coach has had its own influence on me and had a very, very positive minor hockey experience, which I, I, I'm again, like using that word, but I'm pretty grateful for because every single team I played on, I enjoyed, had great friends, have friends from those teams even to this day. Um, all the coaches, you know, were helping us learn, helping us become better humans. Um, and then the parent volunteers, the managers, all of those. So I think if you, you know, if you know me personally, you kind of know who you are. So let's talk about your lead up then before you get drafted to the, uh, Western hockey league, Moose jaw, which is the city in Saskatchewan. When did you sort of get a sense that you might have, um, a future either playing junior hockey or professional hockey? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, tied to like the player didn't really answer, you know, this of the raw athletic ability, but then I started putting it all together in terms of, it, you know, my phantom year, first year, you know, um, I guess, you know, that would be called uh, U14 now or U15. And you know, started putting together. We had a very good team. So we won the Western uh, championships that year. And, you know, that's the year you're supposed to be drafted to the Western Hockey League. I went into that year not thinking anything of, you know, the Western Hockey League draft. And by the end of the year, I was like, all right, I'm going to be drafted. And ended up um, going pretty high in that draft. It was the sixth overall to the Warriors. So that's a big culture kind of shock, you know, going from Vancouver to jaw Warriors and and but that was kind of the first time that then all right you know there's a potential here right and I remember talking to my coach at the time um, I think it was Curtis Hunt uh, and for the Mucho Warriors and you know he was talking you know, come in and I played a couple of games when I was 15 years old and you know he kind of said oh yeah yeah you'll probably be here for couple years and then you'll go on to the next thing right because he'd seen players come in at my you know skill level and then mature on and play professional hockey right and it's only a couple years from the time you're 15 to 18 right and and so that was the first time I was like all right I'm on a three-year time horizon here right And, and so it became a lot more real that I'm close so you play in Moose Jaw from 2002 to 2006. 
and then move on to the Vancouver Giants. You can tell us what led to that eventually as well. But maybe take a moment to talk about this raw talent coming together and then what the league did for you in terms of your development. You're around similar talented athletes. Um, you played other sports, but again, this is you're getting a concentrated top-level coaching that ultimately sort of seems to take you to another level. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, probably a little bit more old school when I played and versus what it is now, but it was a learning experience very, very quickly. You learn, you go from parent, coach, volunteers, you know, my phantom team was the first time we had, a, you know, a coach that wasn't a parent volunteer and um, was bringing some of that professionalism and trying to prepare you. But then it's another jump. Obviously, I I I, I played um, for the Richmond Sockeyes, which I should say that too. So I played the Richmond Sockeyes uh, Junior B when I was 15. Yeah. So when you were allowed to do that, so I played 15 years old, played you know in a junior league with 20 year olds, and so that was a huge jump. While I'm just you know in high school, still at home, and um, ended up only scoring one goal that year or something. So it was like a massive jump for me. And, probably too quick and but that really helped me to propel into the western league for sure where now okay it's professional coaches that this is their full-time job they you know like they're there to help the players they're there obviously to help young people to grow but they also have their own full-time careers on the line right they have aspirations right like so this isn't just uh just for fun and fun in games anymore like there's some professionalism to it um i don't think there's probably a kind of league to kind of help you to prepare for uh pro hockey because the amount of travel you have to do the games you have to do all of that kind of thing and it's kind of weird when you watch the kids now and how young they actually are to do that transition but um it's something that uh yeah i had a i had a positive experience with um, quite frankly, I, I don't think I could have, uh, the NCAA route was something that we considered, but not, not, um, uh, not academically, academically, I could have done it for sure, but it was more financially, it, it required a lot more of a financial to, to, to keep me in junior hockey while still having to play. So, so I kind of had to choose the Western Hockey League and, and um, but I have no regrets on that now. If you're enjoying Recognize and thinking about starting your own hockey card collection, I'd suggest you start with eBay. eBay is all about connecting communities and feeling passions. Because of its thriving card collector community, I was able to make my dream come true by collecting the rookie cards of the NHL's black and biracial players. Start your own collection at ebay.ca slash hockey cards. Your numbers are very strong. As you said, 2002, you sort of started out. In 2003, you played 54 games. 2004, 74 points in 70 games. 2005, 70 points, 71 points in 72 games. And then there's this, the year where you sort of uh, get traded and move on to Vancouver. But, but tell the listeners what good things happened to you first with the, uh, 
with those changes, the World Junior Championship um, gold medal, and also the uh, Memorial Cup with Vancouver Giants in 2007. Yeah. Lots there. Lot there. Again, this is why I can speak quite fondly of my junior careers because I had the opportunity to play on some great teams, play with some great players, and win as well, right? Like, it's hard to find, and it's actually very, very hard as you're older in real life to find that experience where you're a tight knit group of individuals all striving towards one single thing and you're able to accomplish it over a year of hard work and sweat and blood and tears right so we're was able to do that in the western league and we had some great teams at Bouchard. we ended up going to the western hockey league finals against the vancouver giants in my third year uh, I was drafted in my second year, which is kind of, so I had like 16 points my first year, then I had 74 the next year, right? So that was when, okay, now, again, this is a huge inflection, and that was really a lot of training in the summer and, and really putting all the pieces together that was able to get me to that point and, and draft to Florida, but then we had a team that ended up putting it all together in the Western Hockey League Championships and then ended up training to Vancouver the next year because we played them uh, in the Western Hockey League finals the year before, they went to the, the Memorial Cup. Then they were hosting the next year. Um, I'm from Vancouver and was traded at the trade headline uh, to my hometown and was able to play in the Memorial Cup with, again, some great friends and um, super fun memories about winning the Memorial Cup at home. And the same year, um, winning a gold with, team Canada too. So there's a lot in there. Uh, not exactly sure uh, where you want to go, but yeah, it's like well, overall arching is that um, a very enjoyable career there. You're, um, there's only a select group of people who've won a Canada World Junior Medal gold and a Memorial Cup. Many will say it's, it's, um, you know, as challenging contested as winning a Stanley Cup, and those two things are really remarkable to to have that uh, that experience. Like you say, um, not many people have the benefit and success of looking back on those fond memories and the uh, the hard work and bonding and successes and everything that goes with it. So that's that's very special. Oh, thank you. So um, then you won the. World Championships, you got that behind your back. You've got the Memorial Cup 2007. Uh, as you said, you were drafted first round, 20th, 20th overall, uh, 2005 entry draft to the Florida Panthers. So this is a few years before that success, but a lot of confidence goes with your, you've drafted to an NHL team and now, you know, number, number 20 overall is a quite high pick too. Anything first, second round, like you're on a trajectory to make it. So tell us about then your jump then from where you were to making it to the NHL. And um, that first game, I guess, would have been 2008 in Florida. But prior to that, you would have went to some camps. You played with the Rochester Americans. So just take us through that journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so you go from playing uh, – Team Canada, World Juniors, then you also win the Memorial Cup. And then my next year was my first pro year of hockey. And so ended up 
in Rochester. So, you know, I thought I was going to have to spend some time in the A, to be quite honest. I didn't think, you know, that would be the majority of my career. Obviously, when you're drafted in the first round, you know, you want to have a lengthy NHL career. Uh, and so went to Rochester, played, I think, like eight games or something, ended up uh, getting in a fight and breaking my jaw and then was kind of out for like the majority of that year. So that was a tough kind of rookie year. But then ended up playing my first NHL game, I think, the year after. And that was uh, the call up uh, to Washington. So, again, like, you know, there's some things that you'll never forget. But having that call first time and, you know, it's one thing to go through camp and training camp and rookie camps and you do it over and over and over again. And you're kind of wondering when is the time you're going to be able to do it. And when you're drafted 18 and you're kind of waiting four or five, six years, it, it, it's, uh, um, but yeah, it was a crazy surreal experience for me to be kind of called up to Washington and, or sorry, with, with Florida, but in Washington and yep. playing against Ovechkin my first game. And I think I got rocked by him pretty bad that game too. So, you know, kind of a welcome to the NHL experience. Yeah, and, and then uh, so, so my second year kind of up in town, um, the, kind of the majority of my AHL career kind of up, down, and around, but um, ended up uh, making uh, the team out of camp um, probably the next year. Can I ask you then about the moment, about the, uh, the first game? Did you have a lot of family uh, watching and elaborate on that, that, that special moment a little bit more for us? Yeah, you know, it was so last minute um, that I wasn't in, and, and like, there are some regrets. One of my regrets is that uh, I don't think my mom ever watched me play an NHL game in person, you know, and um, uh, it was just, you know, a super last minute thing, and here we go, and um, I'm going to play, right? Um, so the experience of that and sort of the family and friends, I, I didn't really get that one, and I had... I had one chance in Vancouver and was healthy scratch. Unfortunately, that that yeah. that kind of game, but that's sort of the you know that's what hockey is at times. It's highs and lows, um, but you know there's obviously you know you're just continuously on the phone talking to people, you know talking with your mom, talking with family members about before and after. Okay. And scoring your first NHL goal is also a special moment. Do you remember um, where that happened for you, and what was that experience like? Yeah, I have to remember it. I think I only have one, so there you go. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Um, here, here is a story to put home my uh, lack of affinity for memorabilia because this is one I wish I had. Um, playing in Florida against the Leafs, hockey night in Canada. You know, I've we're at home. We end up, uh, I end up uh, getting a pass from Campbell and, and somehow finding the net, you know, it's like halfway in the net or something, but uh, against uh, Jonas Gustafsson or the monster after that game, uh, you know, do the hockey night in Canada interview, which was obviously a surreal experience and something that you think about don't have the hockey night in Canada towel to this day. So I, okay. I am not, keep, or it got lost. I don't know. My trainer or something didn't, did, didn't keep it after. So I kind of wish I had that one because was able to do kind of all in one, right. Score the first NHL goal, hockey night in Canada, um, and be interviewed too. 
So for only having one goal in your career, you did make the most of that, making yeah. it and exactly. getting an interview and everything. Very, very memorable. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that was January 23rd, 2010. So it's, it's not easy um, making it to the NHL and playing the careers, the, the, the games you did over a period of time, as I mentioned earlier, not easy uh, doing that uh, and sticking. For, for your career, what sort of um, got in the way of your longevity in terms of the NHL? Um, is there anything looking back? Is there anything you think could have um, impacted and influenced you differently? I try to avoid the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, I guess. But there is definitely some like lessons that I've taken out of my experiences, both on the positive um, and, and things that necessarily – may not be negative, but may not have been exactly to the aspirations and what you wanted. I think first and foremost, injuries did play a part. I think injuries played a part though, because, you know, I tried to adapt my game to play however I had to, to make the NHL. And, you know, I, I was drafted um, and had a pretty good junior career being able to, put up points and to be an all around player. I've, I've always been a physical, gritty, hardworking player. You know, the skill level, the IQ of the game gets a lot harder. I would say that uh, uh, not being a full student of the game probably hurt me. But at the same time, I have a ton of other interests out, out of the game of hockey. So it's just, you know, not necessarily how I was wired to be all in just hockey. But the other thing is changing your game, right? Like there's always going to be coaches that want you to play a little bit different way and see your game in a different light. And I guess this is more of the recommendations to, to young people, but, you know, coaches come and go and you're not going to last at that level, the NHL level, if you're not doing something that you truly love to do and you think is your skill strength and is like wired in, into you, you can fake it for a while, but the grind is just too hard, right? The grind game after game after game, like you really got to embrace your role, um, embrace who you are as a player. And so if you're moving your game around because of one coach, it's probably not the right thing because all of a sudden that coach could be gone or you could be traded. And I have seen it with guys that had more confidence and sort of know this is how I'm going to play. It's a fine line, right? Because we're also, you know, Canadians that sort of want to play the game the right way and want to listen to your superiors and your coaches. I'm not saying like you don't listen to them, but you will find yourself the happiest and the most productive when you're playing the game the way that you want to play it. And you'll reach the pinnacle of how wherever that is, whether that be in the NHL or in Europe or in AHL or, you know, clear league hockey, but you'll enjoy it a lot more. You know, I appreciate you sharing the factors at play in terms of um, longevity in the NHL or, or, or pro in general, right? Cause you, you lasted a long um, pro career from uh, the, the time you left Moose Jaw in 2006 to wrapping up your Europe in 2013. It, but it probably may almost be difficult for a, a point-getting player, high scorer, if you can't stay in that role, 
to then have to adjust. So I, I wondered about that as you were sort of describing your situation, because as you said, um, coaches come and go, the uh, style of play may go on a team. Um, some players, there may not be any room and, and in a good way, they might develop further staying in the minor leagues and honing certain skills. And then they, the, the spot opens up and the team wants them to play that role. So I, I, I could see there's just lots of things at play in terms of uh, where a player lands up and some of the conditions have to probably work for the players and the player style. Yeah. And I think something gets lost in today, you know, you see it and I have a, two kids, a nine-year-old that plays soccer and a six-year-old that's in hockey. And, but you see at these young ages, right? People put such a demand on their kids to be on the ice every single day and everyone's going to become the next and grace, not only make the NHL, but they're going to be, you know, a top two on each team, right? Like what I think gets lost is, is at that level, everybody has a skill and you got to be the best at your skill. Meaning there's not room for, you know, 20 goals fours on a team. And, and there's always going to be room for, the third line winger that's, but you know what? The best third line wingers in the NHL were the best third line wingers their whole career too. Almost, you know what I mean? Like, yes, they would have scored more points or whatever, but that was always like one of their strengths, right? So you have to lean into your strengths, I think, because that's your only hope um, of having longevity. Yeah. Uh, before we move on for you talking about uh, what you're up to now, maybe you can just sort of set some lights on some of the highlights of your career and, and how things uh, ended up in terms of your, your wrap up in uh, other leagues as you finished up your career and your final year in Europe. Yeah. 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 So I think a highlight of, of, of the career is I really, really enjoy winning. I, I wish we, I was able to win more in professional hockey because just there's always on teams and we just weren't able to put it all together the exact same way. So long playoff runs and that's what you, you talk to any hockey player that's played at any level of significance, like those long playoff runs and that's the most enjoyable time. Right. And so was able to do that in Sweden the last year actually, and, and had a blast, right. Like uh, playing in the championship there and the Elfenskin and, um, was a fantastic experience because we ended up actually not winning and um but even just that long playoff run of of being with those players was enjoyable you know being able to travel around really the world to see new places to do it with a group of individuals again that all have that common hunger and desire to meet an objective like 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 those are some life long lessons, which um, I hold great affinity uh, for. So Kendall, maybe you can tell us what you, um, what happened with your transition to hockey when you wrapped up in 2013 and what did you do with your life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Continual, you know, it's uh, in the present. What am I continuing to do? <laughs> yeah. um, and that's a thing, right? Like hockey, no matter, even if you have a thousand game career, you know, you're kind of late thirties and you're done and there's a long life ahead of you right and when you're in your teens and early 20s that seems so long away but 
now somebody in my mid thirties, I'm like, all right, you know, I'm not that old, but, but um, in hockey terms, it's ancient quite quickly. I, so the lockout year actually, you know, and there's a whole mental health discussion on this, but like the, the, the lockout year happens or the second lockout year. So my first lockout experience, actually my draft year, I did the draft and my draft experience was like, I didn't get the full arena and et cetera. It was Crosby's draft. We were in the same draft class and ended up having to do it in a hotel room. So that wasn't, you know, the same experience. And it was like delayed, you know, a couple months and only 20 of us were in, were invited, I think. So I was lucky enough to be one of the 20 that was in person, but it was a very different experience. And then my second lockout experience was uh, after playing with the Winnipeg Jets, uh, the next year was the lockout year or, or uh, that off season was. And so kind of went from playing games in the NHL the year before to not having a job, had too many games playing in the NHL. So it was in this weird predicament where it's kind of a, you know, I played a veteran type player professionally, but didn't have a home. And um, really quickly had to realize that, you know, there is life after hockey that I need need to be prepared for. I've always been a little bit, you know, kind of on the intellectual side when it comes to finance and investing. Uh, I ended up uh, deciding uh, to do my chartered financial analyst exams while playing that year. And, and so there's a couple other guys that, that I know that have done kind of the same thing, but had the ex experience of like not having a job to really kick me into gear with what would yeah. be my plan after hockey and then uh, pretty quickly thereafter so it was kind of two years thereafter way quicker than I would have thought I transitioned out of the game because I had an opportunity an opportunity to join an asset management firm and now uh, help run a venture capital fund as well so with that firm, we invest in early stage private companies. I spend a lot of my time on Zoom talking about that more than I talk about hockey. And I get to help teams. I get to help teams grow. And so, you know, these early stage technology companies that are trying to go from a product that's got early revenue traction and they're trying to make it the next $100 million company, you know, um, and and I quite enjoy it. I, I, I quite enjoy the process of entrepreneurship, value creation, kind of creating something out of nothing, but to do so in a team environment where it takes multiple people pushing in the same direction to meet a common objective, that sort of translated over. It sounds like the timing of the experiences you've had throughout your minor hockey and pro hockey, your passion for being around teams, just seems like a natural transition with your, you know, intellectual and financial abilities for you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hope so. Right. And, and you take for granted, or maybe I just didn't really know. And you hear all the time about teamwork and that's important in the business world and blah, blah, blah. But like, until you see it, like not everyone's had the experiences of going through like real adversity or going through and, Injury personally, that's going to set you back half a year and you got to grind and claw yourself the way back. I think another thing is like the one thing that professional sports does bring to you 
if it's a performance orientated, there's no, you know, there's, there's nothing else that's going to keep you there. Right. Like every day there's a hundred different statistics that tell you how did you do that game? How did you do that shift? Right. And so those constant feedback loops, uh, you know, you don't get necessarily uh, in, in the real world. But I think the one thing that, that it also teaches you is that how to be a high performer and I get to help teams as well, right? Because there is a lot of analogies. I'm not somebody that likes to use a ton of cliches in terms of all the different ways in which wars or sports translates over into the business world. But there are there are a couple commonalities, and I think um, uh, you know how to build high performance teams that have leadership and capable leadership is definitely one of them well you do have to earn your paycheck to keep playing professionally so yeah. there's this individual motivation but then you have to do it amongst a team and the more yeah. success the team has the more everyone benefits exactly so uh wrapping up kendall could you um share some more thoughts on the advice you would give for a young hockey player playing today the number one thing i talked about before is to be true to yourself right i think Anytime you have some of the negativity around the game, whether that be overtraining or whether that be hazing incidents or whether that be different things that relates around um, discrimination or diversity, right? Like, don't be afraid to be true to who you are. I think confidence and being true to yourself will take you a long way and you'll develop a good group of individuals, right? Like that, embrace the team aspect and embrace the team. I definitely love the team first approach and that, you know, you're an individual con contributor to a team and an organization or that's trying to accomplish. Cause once you experience that about doing something with a team versus individually, you know, there's no turning away from that. The other thing is, is, you know, it's a super, super cliche, but, being dedicated to the craft, which is just love improvement and love bringing that growth mindset into everything you do. So, because you could be a absolute phenom when you are younger, but if you don't reach adversity at any time, it's going to be very hard for you to deal with it when you do. And likewise, if you are somebody that's, you know, grinding and clawing and scratching, just know it's going to pay off in some way or another. It may not always be obvious, but I really do believe in that growth mindset and sort of what you can be able to accomplish in hockey, but also after hockey too. So that's uh, great, uh, Kendall. And thank you for taking us through your um, journey with us and the obstacles you overcame as a young person and celebrating the successes of the community that supported you. I also appreciate hearing you speak about, uh, you'll be a multi-sport athlete and how that uh, developed your, your skills as a hockey player. And I, I was going to say, you, you weren't talking about much about keeping memorabilia, but I imagine you probably have kept the gold medal and the Memorial cup ring. Is it a ring you get? I imagine you still have those two pieces. I have the ring from the gold medal, the ring from the Memorial Cup, the gold medal as well. I have those three things for sure. 
That's right. And they don't take up a lot of space. So it's perfect. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I will tell you exactly where they are. They're, they're, they're not on display, yeah. but uh, yeah. as, I long, as long as you still have them. So do you foresee uh, staying in the game some way yourself, either by playing or coaching your kids or community? Yeah. I do coach my youngest, you know, and, and, um, uh, I, I didn't know exactly how I would like it, but I do enjoy it. And I, I, I enjoy coaching young kids that it's a pure innocence of just enjoying the game and working at having fun, improving, like all of those things. I, I, I enjoy it. So as long as, um, if I can insulate, some of the craziness that comes around hockey now of days, then, 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 uh, I'll continue as long as I can because that pure innocence of just falling in love with the game and helping and, and, and being a conduit to that is quite enjoyable. And, and we do need, um, representation in, in minor hockey and, um, uh, seeing yourself with your kids and other kids benefit from seeing you. Uh, there and what it means in terms of sense of belonging. So I think many will sort of appreciate uh, you giving back in that way as well. I hope so. And, and, and I, I truly believe that this game should be for everyone. And so hopefully I'm able to help with that, whether that be indirectly to your point or in the future more directly as well. Great. So it's been wonderful chatting with you. Hopefully, uh, we'll see you sometime again in the future uh, if we're traveling in your, yeah. uh, your neck of the woods. Uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. And uh, thanks for being on the My Hockey Hero podcast. Anytime. All right, man. Cheers. We're proud to be working with Hockey Equality. Hockey Equality is on a mission to create diversity at all levels of the game of hockey by lowering financial barriers for BIPOC female and other equity-deserving youth hockey players. If you've been moved by the stories shared on this podcast and want to help make hockey accessible to all, check out HockeyEquality.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast and would like to share this story with your kids, then check out My Hockey Hero. It's shorter and suitable for the whole family. You can click the link in the show notes or find it wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Podstarter production. production.